0: This really is a big day for us as a congregation, and it's a day that our staff and several groups of people have been, they've been working for and working toward and praying about since early fall. It was back in the late summer when we prayed and got away as a staff and sought the Lord's will about this year and what God might have in store for us, and Right after we uh, got back and we discerned what God wanted us to do congregationally, uh, so many people went to work, and so today is, it is a very good day for us. We call it Vision Sunday, but there's a lot I want to talk about today, because on a day like today, it's it's good to talk about where we're going, but it's also good to talk about who we are, because... Where we're going, in some sense, has to be determined by who we are, and where we're going can't be divorced from who we are. I want us to think about for just a moment, who are we, and what does the Bible say about us? You know, the Bible says we are the people of God. That's one of the most important descriptions of the church that you find anywhere in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, quoting from our Old Testament, his Bible, said this, God writes, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're not just a Bible conference. A Bible conference is where you go and you sit by people that maybe you've seen at other conferences, and you rub shoulders with people, maybe your paths have crossed, but you're not intimately and intricately related to them in relationship. And you come and you sing and you listen to preaching or teaching and maybe break go to some breakout sessions and, and then you go away and the relationships that you uh, developed or the renewed relationships that you had momentarily, well, they're gone until the next Bible conference. That's not who we are. The Bible says we are the people of God and that God is not only in us, but he dwells among us. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, we're not just the people of God, we are the body of Christ. As we gather together on Vision Sunday, it is absolutely essential that we know who we are, and we are Christ's body. Just a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 1, we studied these very verses where Paul wrote, and God put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet, And gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. Which is Jesus' body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We're the body of Christ. We're intricately related to one another. And we absolutely need one another. You don't need the people that you sit beside at a conference. Because you're not a part of their congregation that they are a part of. When you're a part of a congregation, you have a spiritual gift, you've got spiritual abilities, you've got got inclinations that make you absolutely integral and essential to what's taking place there. Many people, though, they're just only generally connected to the local church. And so when you're only generally connected to a local church, you're like a hand that's been cut off and set to the side. A hand that's been cut off and set to the side, it's no good to the body, and the body is no good to the hand. When Jesus says that we are a part of his body, and Paul says that we all have spiritual gifts, he means we need one another. That we are ears and hands and feet and legs and arms, and there's a place for all of us in the body of Christ. We are Christ's body. We're not just Casually related to one another We are related to one another like a body is related to one another We are the people of God and we are the body of Christ The Apostle Paul in chapter 2 We're working our way through the book of Ephesians If you're a guest with us And just a couple of weeks ago We read how the the church of Christ is like a temple And it is a temple that is indwelt by God's spirit This is what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You know, there's something mysteriously magnificent when I get on my knees in my study in the mornings, and when you get in whatever place where you have your devotions and you open up your Bible and you read it and you sing to God and you make confession of sin and and you pour your heart out to him in prayer. There's something mysteriously magnificent about that. But in another sense, there's something even more mysteriously magnificent when the people of God gather together as redeemed, blood-bought sinners, indwelt by God's Spirit, worshiping loudly for God's glory, following along in a passage of Scripture and studying it together. There is a sense when the, that the isolated Christian never experiences the fullness of that if they're not intimately and intricately involved in a local church. That is, if it were just, just about me, I could be like a, one of the monks in the Middle Ages... A hermit that would go to, the, go to the desert with their Bible and they would live so they, they wouldn't be stained by the world. So they wouldn't have to engage messy people in a, as a part of a congregation. They could, they could just be by themselves, memorize the Bible by themselves, pray by themselves, sing by themselves. But that's not what God redeemed us for. God redeemed us to make us a part of a people. He redeemed us to make us a part of an army. He redeemed us so that we could be a temple. And when we gather together congregationally, he manifests his marvelous and magnificent presence in a way that exceeds and goes beyond what happens when we're, we're all alone by ourselves in our study or in our recliner, in the living room, drinking a cup of coffee and opening the word of God. It's beautiful, it's magnificent, it's spectacular. The spirit of God ministers to us. But there's something unusually glorious. When you've got a few hundred people reading the Bible together off of the screen. You know, sometimes I'm not able to to see the words on the, on, on the screen and so I'll stumble along for a minute but then I'll just stop and, and I'll listen to you and I'll listen to the convictional re, the convictional reading of God's word and it does something for me hey it's magnificent when I am have an open Bible on my knees in my study there's something that hearing a congregation like this read the word of God together does that I don't get when I'm by myself. And then you you experience this as well as you're, you're singing and you're extolling the greatness and the magnanimity of Christ. And you can hear the people next to you singing just as loud, just as passionately, just as fervently. And sometimes you come in and you might be like me and it's, you've had a bad morning, you've had a bad week, you've had a bad month, you've had a tough year. And you're standing there and maybe you're not even singing but all of a sudden the Spirit of God uses the voices of the people of God. And you can sense something, something's going on inside of me. And that despondency, that discouragement, that dejection seems to shrivel and diminish as the voices of the people of God sing louder and louder and louder. And then before I know it, and you're, you're not much different than me, before you know it, you find yourself joining in, singing just as loudly and passionately and fervently as the people that are surrounding you. There's something about being a part of a local church. There's something about putting your your life down and digging in and making yourself at home among a congregation of believers. In in the first service, we baptized Kim Fusting. Kenny started attending here when he was a college student. and Kenny put down his his roots in this church and went through the University of Louisville, graduated and and, uh, got a job and then along the way, God brought him a, a Christian wife. And as Kim was as we're sharing this morning, Jeff was sharing for her, Jeff Elif, that she was baptized uh, at an early age, but actually ended up not being converted until a teenager. And and then she just felt compelled by the Spirit of God. I need, I need to be baptized by immersion. And so those of us that have known Kenny and then Kim in the years that they've been married, we're sitting here and we're, we're cheering them on because it's not like a Bible conference where we're coming and going and only casually related. We know them. We see them. In fact, this week I was visiting with some folks that have been visiting the church, wonderful young couple, both of them not very long out of the military, beautiful baby. Uh, moved to Louisville. I said, well, tell me, how did you find us uh, when you visited us? Were we friendly and, and, uh, and outgoing? I, I felt like I, rather confidently they would say yes. And They said, you know, we came in, we sat down, and we weren't seated there but just a couple of minutes. And then this couple, Kenny and Kim, came up and introduced themselves and befriended us. And so when I saw Kim being baptized, I was sitting right here, and I'm just thinking in my heart, praise God for that. They don't understand church is like a conference, church is like a community of believers. It's a family, it's an army, all marching in the same direction. And then to see David and Paul baptized and to, and to know that John and Renee have been faithful members here for many, many years. Renee is like a witnessing machine. She ministers to more international people than anyone in our church. She's really phenomenal in that way. And so to baptize their boys, it's, it's a privilege because we've watched those boys grow up. We've watched those boys go to children's Bible fellowship groups. We've seen them go to children's worship. We've seen them come to vacation Bible school. We've heard them sing in the children's choir and sometimes dance in the children's choir. It, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful and glorious thing. Those kinds of relationships, those kinds of experiences are reserved for people that put down roots. People understand I'm a part of the people of God. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of the army of Christ. I'm a part of Christ's body. See, we need to know who we are before we think about what we're going to do. And when you think about who we are and we look around, we realize that we are a people of a divine creation. The church was created by God, and Jesus Christ is building it. But it's also made up of imperfect people, and imperfect people can make things a little bit messy from time to time. But there's no church that has reached perfect sanctification, because there are no People that have yet reached glorification. So it gets a little bit messy. It can become a little bit difficult. Relationships can can become slightly strained. But when you're a part of a family, you're part of a family. When you're a part of an army, you're part of the army. When you're part of the team, you're part of the team, and you 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 say, This is my family. It's messy, but I'm messy. And Jesus has stayed absolutely 100 percent committed to me. So who are we? we are God's people. But the second thing I like to do on, on this particular day year each year is to remind us what is the church to do? That is the Bible makes it absolutely and completely clear what we're to do. We are to be a people committed to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 says that the the congregation in Jerusalem was committed to the apostles' teaching. So we are a people committed to the word of God, so no matter what our vision is about, when we gather together on Sundays, we are going to preach and teach the Bible. We're going to go to Bible fellowship groups, where the Bible is going to be taught and doctrine is going to be extolled and where we're going to be encouraged to live out the Christian life. The church is built on the Word of God, the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. So whether we're pressing in and reaching out, when we gather together, we're going to be preaching the Bible. We're not going to be preaching about how to have a nice lawn, how to have good abs. We're, we're going to be preaching the Bible. I gave up on the ab thing a long time ago when, it, when I realized it, it required sweating, and so I thought, I'll just stick to the Bible and um, let other people stick to the abs. The second thing is we're going to gather together for worship. Every week, whether we're pressing in, reaching out, we're going to sing together. Every week we're going to gather together in this room and we're going to extol the virtues of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing that the Spirit of God would come and fill us. We're going to be a singing congregation, a singing group of people. No matter what we do, beyond that, we are going to be preaching and singing. But that's not all that the Bible says that a church is to be. In Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, which I often advocate for us congregationally as being something of the purpose statements of a church, we're going to be a compassionate community. We're going to be a people that are committed to caring and loving one another, just like the early church did. That's why you can't just be a a passerby and be a part of a local church. You just can't be casually related Because you can't have community with casual relationships. It's going to require some some effort and work. And that's why when I talk about pressing in a little bit more in just a few minutes, that's that's one of the two aspects of our vision, pressing in. And we're going to be be a congregation of people that are interested in reaching out. Because the Lord added To the church daily, those who are being saved in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. That is, we want to be great commandment and great commission Christians. And so, what's the church to do? The church is to teach and preach, it's to sing and worship, it's to care and minister and serve one another, and it's to take the gospel. To the world, whether it's across the street, around the corner, or on the other side of the globe. That's what the church is to do. So, as we talk about pressing in and reaching out, those things will stay very high on our priority list because you're not a church if you don't do those things. But why are we focusing on pressing in and reaching out again this year? Well, it goes back to what I just said a moment ago. We want to be great commandment and great commission Christians. To be great commandment Christians is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's straight from the, the lips of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why we preach his word. That's why we sing for his glory. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Most people are interested in the first. They just don't take the second one quite as seriously. But the reality is you can't love Jesus and not passionately love his people. You can't love me if you don't love my wife. Now, there's a lot of people that love her. They don't care that much about me. That's understandable. But you see the point that I make. Our love for Jesus, the mirror of that is our love for his people. You can't say I love Jesus and not love his people. You can't say I'm committed to Jesus and not committed to his people. You can't say I'm following Jesus and not living in community with his people because the two are intricately related. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why are we... Why are we repeating, pressing in? Because we want to be great commandment people. It's messy, it's difficult, it's arduous. It takes some effort, it takes some time. I, I was talking Wednesday night to Ryan Hanley in the, in the lobby out here at the end of our Deeper Life classes. Most of you know Ryan. He's a highly respected man in our church. He's got five children. He's writing a dissertation at Southern Seminary. He has a full-time job in technology. And so I was chatting with him afterwards, and I said, Ryan, um, so have you ever thought about taking Wednesday nights and just working on your dissertation while you're, all, of, all of their family is very involved, and particularly their kids are involved in the children's activities that are going on wana here, and, and Kathleen is involved in a lot, of, a lot of the ministries that are going on here. Have you ever thought about that? He said, you know, I really did think about it, Pastor. But he said, the conclusion I came to is my soul can't take it. And I said, well, what do you mean by that, Ryan? What do you mean your soul can't take it? He says, I can't take in my soul not being around the people of this church. We had about four hundred people here on Wednesday night. It was a beautiful, beautiful picture because the the night was it was a terrible night, and many people just couldn't get here. and And I understand that that completely. Many people can't drive at night. I couldn't drive uh, drive here if I was coming at night without uh, without someone driving me myself. So uh, so I understand I understand how that is, and some people it's just impossible for them to. To get here with either the weather or sickness or sick, kid uh, understood completely. But here we are, there's 400 of us in the building and I'm standing out here with Ryan and I said, you know, Ryan, I see exactly what you mean. You would never see, you would never see Herb Searles hardly ever. If you were in a, staying at home working on your dissertation. And Herb's a pretty good person to see. And he named some other people, and I said, I see what you're saying, brother. I, I understand it now. I understand why, why you're saying your soul can't afford not to press in. So pressing in, it's messy. It takes some sacrifice. Because, you know, feet are dirty things to wash. And as you press in, there's a lot of foot washing that's got to take place. Those relationships get tough, they get messy, people disappoint us, I disappoint you, you disappoint me. It's all a part of being in a church that has not yet had perfect sanctification. Paul put it this way. He said, don't look out merely for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was a foot washing machine. He was a caring, loving, serving, ministering machine. And so we're pressing in again this year because we need to press in again this year. You know, one of the biggest mistakes people make at the beginning of a new year is they come up with a list of resolutions that's a mile long. And when you have a list of resolutions a mile long, the odds are you're not going to accomplish any of them or they're going to start falling to the wayside pretty quickly. Uh, There's a lot of things that we could put forward as aspects of vision that would be very important to to do this next year, but the more you have, the more targets you've got to hit. It's better if you take resolutions kind of like I do, like... I'm going to walk up and down the stairs twice a day all year long. That's one I can accomplish. I come down the stairs in the morning. I go back up the stairs at night when I go to bed. There's my resolutions are hit. Uh, I don't shoot for the moon. You know, this isn't shooting for the moon. It's just saying one important aspect of being a church, a congregation of people committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ is I will press in, and I will develop relationships that are going to be messy, they're going to be disappointing, they're going to be awkward at times, but it's the right thing to do, to press in. And we're going to reach out because we want to be Great Commission Christians. Now, the pressing in, in some ways, is easier than the reaching out for most of us. Uh, I I told the first... um, first uh, hour worship service and I've mentioned it before you could put Philip Brown into a Starbucks and he leads the cup of coffee to faith in Christ it's phenomenal (laughs) you take you take Blake ring and Blake is he's he's like Philip he's a witnessing machine I'm not like that but I need to be a great commissioned Christian Just because I don't have the demeanor or the disposition or the ease of of taking a conversation and moving it very quickly to a gospel conversation doesn't absolve me of the responsibility of it. And there aren't many congregations where evangelism would be a shining light, a, a, a a brilliant aspect of that congregational life. And so we need it. We all need it. And so all of us need to be praying for a lost person, investing in a lost relationship, and then inviting a lost person to, to church, and then eventually to, to faith in Christ. In 2000 and, uh, 2007, the Pew, Pew Research Group did a study on Americans and their involvement in church and found that, that um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 17% of Americans identified themselves as nuns. Nuns is a term that's used to describe people who are atheistic, agnostic, or just religiously indifferent. But It just doesn't have any role in their life. They're, they don't have any religious... They're not anti-church. They're not... uh, Anti-Christian, they just have no religious commitment at all. In 2007, it was about 17%. In 2017, it was 27%. 27% of Americans would identify themselves as a nun. Atheist, agnostic, or just religiously indifferent. The strange thing is, over 58% said if they were invited to a Christmas Eve service or to a Christmas worship service, they would go. Although people are living in spiritual darkness, God often uses a simple invitation to light a small spark. And so we want to be a people that are planting gospel seeds. They're thinking about gospel conversations. It's not easy for most of us. In fact, we find it downright tough. But you know what? That's a part of discipleship, isn't it? Discipleship is more than reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, giving to the church. It's also about being great commissioners. Christians. And most of us are interested in being disciples. We're interested in being discipled. We're interested in knowing more about the Bible. But there comes a point in Christian discipleship where we have to become great commissioned Christians because sharing the gospel is a part of discipleship. Now we're going to be at different places on the spectrum. Some of us are going to be at that some of you are going to be at that place where Philip and, and Blake are some of you are going to be maybe there in the in the middle where you're a little bit more like I am you 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 do it some you like you, you want to do it more but you find it difficult and then there's some over here that they just don't share your, you don't share your faith at all this is going to be good for you it's going to be helpful for you it's going to be the best thing that could ever happen to you because God will receive more glory through your life if you will plant gospel seeds we're going to give you some advice and some some help in doing it We're not going to say, invite 50 people to church this week. We're going to say, hey, how about inviting one person to Easter? Invite one person to Easter. Now, if you're like me, I better start working on it right now. I better start thinking about it, praying about it, looking for that that person. But it, it will be the best thing for God's glory in your life that you will accomplish between now and Easter. Because you read your Bible, you pray, you give to the church, you're pressing into your Bible fellowship group, but you need to mature and develop in this area of discipleship. It's pressing in and reaching out. I found something interesting in the reading I was doing for this, uh, for this message about preaching in, so I'll go back to that one before I move on. And And what I found was a study by Lifeway Christian or Lifeway Research in surveying evangelical Christians they would ask them a couple of questions. The first question is are you actively involved in an evangelical church? And the answer was almost unanimously yes, we're actively involved. And then they asked them how many times a month do you go to church? And they said one to two times a month. That was stunning, wasn't it? It was stunning to read that. That the new normal for regular attendance in evangelical churches is once or twice a month. And what they went on to discover was that multi-generational churches, which I'm very committed to being a multi-generational church, I don't know what I would do if I were in a church, for example, and I didn't have Miss Jewel Caswell come to me several times a year and say, Pastor, I want you to go and, and I want to introduce you to someone that's sitting beside me. Miss Caswell's a, a senior adult, her husband Jim, one of the most magnificent and wonderful men in, in the history of our church, passed away a number of years ago. I, I need her. Or to see the Catrons come in. You know, the, the, the Catrons, senior adults... They read and study their Bible together every morning. I, I, I need them. I would not be happy without them. They're senior adults, some of you are looking at me. I wouldn't be happy with that old, like, without that old man up there on the platform. Well, that, it's all relative, isn't it? I, I'm committed to being a multi generational church. But what that study said was what people will discover in multi generational churches, the church will look a lot older than it actually is because the most faithful people in the church are typically older adults and the younger you are the tendency is growing and this we've got an unbelievable number army of young couples and single adults that are unbelievably committed to to congregational gathering but in the average church it'll look much older because the younger a person is, the more they're drawn to the mentality. Once or twice a month means actively involved in an evangelical church. It means that's what it means to be a regular, a regular attender, heavily involved. And so we want to we want to press in, and we want to reach out because we want to be great commandment Christians that love one another as ourselves, and great commission Christians that want to go across the street or, and around the world. Well, what do we hope to accomplish? What do we hope to accomplish? I think what we hope to accomplish is that we'll see more people washing one another's feet, more people saying, I'm willing to allow things to be a little bit messy because I've planted my life in this church. More people saying, you know, I, I'm not just going to stand back and complain that people aren't reaching out to me. I'm not developing relationships. I'm going to be a grown-up. I'm going to be a big boy, a big girl. I'm going to develop relationships. I'm going to embrace other people that are maybe different than I am socially, uh, economically, ethnically. I'm going to develop relationships with others, even if it kills them. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. That's, we're hoping to accomplish that. Why? For the glory of God, so that when God looks down on our church, he receives great glory and honor because there's a small group of people, a few hundred people that are saying, this is my church. I'm going to love those whom God has gathered in it, and so I'm going to press in for his glory and for her good. Uh, What do we hope to accomplish? We hope to accomplish the fact that we see more and more people sharing their faith, or at least investing in relationships with with non-Christian people. Only the Lord can bring a person to salvation. Only the Lord can take a dead heart and, and, uh, and, and regenerate it and cause a person to be born again. But God normally does it. As gospel seeds are planted and watered and they begin to, to develop and, and come to maturation. And it's usually through the investment of a Christian person. So that we can see more and more people who are genuinely saved, baptized, and those relationships that are, are the result of, or that baptism is the result of relationships from people in the congregation that are, that are sharing their faith. Inviting people to church. That's what we hope to accomplish. That we, that we will be ever growing in the glory that God receives from us congregationally. So what's at stake? Well, everything is at stake when God's glory is at stake. Everything is at stake when God's honor is at stake. And God wants to glorify himself among the people of this church, just like he does in the other many, many good, solid, Bible-believing, evangelistic congregations of our our community. And so what we've done is we've tried to aid you by giving you a, a roadmap. This is something new the last few years for us. You know, we called it a checklist last year. Checklist's not a good name for it. We had 24 things on the checklist last year. We've reduced it to 12. Next year, maybe you'll be two. I don't know. But we've given you a roadmap. Uh, The roadmap isn't for us to check off and say, well, I'm a great church member or I'm a horrible church member. They probably don't want me. I didn't do three things this last year. That's not what the roadmap is for. The roadmap is so that we can do some of the same things together. We can struggle through the same things together because we're a family. And as a family, we want to be headed in the same direction. We want to be engaged in the same kinds of activities. We, we want to know that we're a part of a, of a group of people that are struggling like we're, like we're struggling. So we've, we've got this road map that we're trying to journey down together. It's not complex. So What if I don't get one? That's fine. I won't get one either. either probably. But together we want to struggle down the same road. and then we've given you some a prayer card could you imagine what god might do if every monday there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 adults who prayed for revival genuine authentic spirit inspired revival and that the evidence were repentance and faithfulness. That's, that's something to join arms and link together in. And then on Tuesday, we pray for greater intimacy and community. In our Bible fellowship groups. And for Wednesday, we pray for opportunities to invite people to church and open doors to share the gospel hundreds of people hundreds of us every week praying and pounding heaven asking for the very same thing not a 400 different things but all for the same thing 400 of us focused on this that's that's the vision it's not it's not it doesn't have anything to do with nickels, noses, budgets. doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It's got everything to do with being a congregation wholly committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ and being a part of the people of God, the family of God, a temple indwelt by the, by the Holy Spirit and seeing God do something great among us right here. And so this year we'll keep preaching, we'll keep singing, we'll keep praying, we'll keep taking mission trips, all kinds of things we're gonna be doing. But but over and over again we're gonna be coming back and reminding you and reminding ourselves we need to press in. We need to press in because it is the great commandment. We need to press in and reach out because reaching out is the great commission and God gets glory when we engage messy people with the love of Christ and God gets glory when we invite people to church and that relationship then is leveraged for a gospel witnessing opportunity. God gets glory. So here's how I'd like us to like us to conclude this this morning. We're getting ready to, uh, to sing We're going to stand, we're going to sing. We're not going to have a traditional uh, time of commitment as we often do where we'll call people who are interested in church membership or would like to talk to someone about their spiritual life to to come forward. What, What we're going to do is, as we're being led and we're singing Take My Life, I'm going to ask if you do something that we almost never do and that is if you could buy into this or at least you think you would like to buy into it. Whether you're single or married, just to come and to to stand around the the platform here. In the first service, Jalen and I, we stood right here, held hands. Uh, I led us in a prayer and I said, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that Jalen and I would press in and reach out. And then she prayed a more eloquent, passionate prayer. And then I looked up and there were, almost the entire congregation was gathered around the around the platform, it might be that it's difficult for you to get down here, right where you're standing, you can pray, uh, but maybe you would just come forward this morning and say a brief prayer, a prayer of commitment, uh, a, a prayer of, of intentionality, that, uh, that God would do a great thing among us in 2018 for his glory and for our good. So would you stand, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, then we're going to sing together. And then a a couple of final words. Caleb will lead us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be who we are, to be saints and dwelt by the Spirit of God, a part of the church universal, and a part of this congregation locally. And so, Father, what we desire is your glory, your, your honor, your name be exalted. And so as we begin our, begin our 2018 vision, pressing in, reaching out, we pray you would do a great thing among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.